every person here. And we got to awaken the God inside of you. Like God made you and he loves you. And I know this is like a weird way to start. I'm just letting it flow because I didn't have anything in my notes for this part. But I just feel like, I just really feel like God is in each and every one of you. And we're trying, what we're trying to do as a church is awaken that in you. To see you come alive and be the person that you were always created to be. And when you see that come on for a student, it's one of the most amazing things that could ever happen. And, um, and so I feel really grateful, and I'm so grateful for the church, for you guys supporting us to be able to do this for a living. And uh, we actually got to direct teen camp this year, so my wife and I, we uh, directed it for over 700 people. Uh, it was an incredible week, and uh, we're looking forward to some downtime here in the next few weeks. But I feel like um, I'm ready to preach the Word of God. You guys with me? If I could have you all stand up, I know that's a little inconvenience, but um, I would like you to stand up. I feel like when we stand and our posture means a lot to God. And I feel like a, a stance, when we're standing up, I feel like it's showing God that we're ready. We're ready to hear from him. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I want to share a, a simple passage with you um, this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I just want to give you verses 48 through 51. They mentioned in the, in the welcome about a message and and God answered their prayer because I'm going to do that same message I did on Monday for all of you today. So um, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 17, 48 through 51. I love this little Bible story. It's where David kills Goliath. Spoiler alert. I didn't know if you knew that. Okay. And I think that there will be some things in this message that God wants to say to you. I believe God still speaks to us. We just got to listen. So I would like you to lean in and listen carefully. How many are ready to hear from God this morning? Are we ready? Amen. Let's get excited for God's word. 1 Samuel 17, verse 48. It says, as the Philistine, he's talking about Goliath, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love this because I think a lot of times as Christians and a lot of times in our faith, I think we run away from the challenge. But it says that David ran toward the Philistine. That David ran towards the giant. That David ran towards the, 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 the challenge. And I believe God's people need to do the same. It says in verse 49, reaching into his back and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with his own sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. And I need a little bit of help from you this morning, and I want you to shout out my title. Maybe this is something, if you're a wife, you said this to your husband this morning, okay? But I want you to shout this out, okay, as a church. I want you to say, don't miss, don't your, miss turn. your turn. Let's say it all together. Don't miss your turn. Don't miss your turn. God, we come to you in prayer in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. God, we are not getting here, gathering here this morning just behind some idea of some man who lived a few thousand years ago that we kind of believe in. No, we believe 
that Jesus was the Son of God. We believe that he is the hope of mankind. We believe that he's the only reason why we're here today. He's the only reason why we do any of this, God. And I feel like sometimes we fall into this spiritual sleep and we forget. We forget that the God we pray to is all powerful. That you love us, that you gave your son for us. God, I pray that you would awaken a desire and a longing in our hearts again today for you. That only your Holy Spirit can do that. No word I, I speak, I can do that. Only you and your power. And so I pray that you would reveal yourself today to us through this passage that we've read so many times, but you can take something that seems old and make it new. And we pray that you would do that in this time together. We love you. We honor you. We lift up your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and have a seat. Give a few people a high five you're sitting next to. Tell them I'm glad to see you this morning. Come on, tell them I'm happy to see you. Amen. Don't miss your turn. I want to share a little bit with you today, and I want to get something on your mind as we look at this passage in the Valley of Elah. That's where the battle took place, the Valley of Elah, where the giant from Gath, who some say was nine feet, three inches tall, has come to defy the armies of the living God, and a boy named David has something to say about it. I want you to think, if you would, for just a moment about something in your life that you almost missed out on and that you came really close to missing out on it. Has anybody ever experienced that? Like there was something in your life that you almost missed out on. Maybe something's coming to your mind, and, uh, but you did it. You did it, and now that you look back, you're like, man, I'm so glad that I didn't give in to laziness. I'm so glad I didn't give in to apathy. I'm so glad that, you know, I didn't give in to fear, or I didn't let other people tell me who I should be or what I should do. I'm so glad I did it. I would have missed so much. In fact, if some of you had listened to other people, you would have never come to church. You would have never engaged in a journey of getting to know your heavenly Father. And you would have missed out because this is a great place with some great people. I said, it's a great place with some great people. Amen. Come on. Some, something you have almost missed out on. Ayumi, of course, and I made this joke on Monday, but Ayumi, of course, is thinking about how she almost said no instead of I do. How much she would have missed, you know? <laughs> she would have she would have missed her man, you know? No, I almost missed out. I almost missed out, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, different things in life, opportunities that scared you at the time. I remember back in 2008, um, I was really, I was far away from God at this point, and I just started kind of coming back to church and re-engaging into my relationship with God. And I, and I uh, was invited to go to a campus retreat up into uh, Big Bear. And uh, I was like, 
I was on the wall at this time. I was at the fence, on the fence. I didn't really know if I really wanted to engage God. I didn't really know if this is what I wanted. And uh, I almost didn't go to that retreat. But that retreat ended up being the catalyst that helped me come back to God. And I think back to 2008, and I remember praying out on this deck. It was foggy. I couldn't see anything. And for the first time, I felt like I prayed to God, and he heard me. And I almost missed out on it. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be working with this amazing group of people. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my daughter, Hannah. There's so much that has happened because of what God has did. And I'm so glad I didn't miss it. And you might think this is a straight... A strange introduction, and I forgot that this text is all about David and Goliath, but I think there's something in this story, there's an application in this story that's often overlooked. I find that in 1 Samuel 16 and 17 that the climax of the story, when, when David took his sling and, and he, he took some rocks, his shepherding equipment, and he used it to kill a giant named Goliath, it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. David and Goliath almost didn't happen. I mean, it's one of the most famous Bible stories. We learn it in Sunday school. It's actually a very violent story. I don't know why we teach it to all of our kids, but we do. And uh, with the first of five stones, David knocks down this giant from Gath named Goliath. Say that five times fast. Giant from Gath named Goliath. And and, and David and Goliath almost didn't happen. You know, David, the unlikely one, defeated the giant that had divided God. And so in this contest, we're very familiar with the conquest of David, where he stands over Goliath. But I want to suggest to you that it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. And I think a lot of us miss our turn to be used by God. Really because of three things. There's a lot of reasons we can miss our turn to be used by God. But what I'm going to suggest to you today is that there's three main reasons that keep us from being used by God. And they all start with the letter P. So I know you're glad to hear that because it really makes it that much easier to remember. I'm being obviously a little sarcastic, but that's okay. Um, the first thing David had to overcome to defeat Goliath was his perception, was his perception. You see, I believe, if you want to know the truth about it, that David was more than just a shepherd. I believe that David was more than just a giant killer. David was a future king in training. And I know that many of you know this, but for the benefit of those who didn't have a chance to go to vacation Bible school, let me share a little bit of context in 1 Samuel 16. Can I teach a little bit? I said, can I teach a little bit? Thank you. Thank you for your permission. On the day that Samuel, he's the prophet of Israel. On the day that Samuel came to town with this horn of oil, which was symbolically poured on the head of the future king, he went to Jesse's house because that's where God told him to go. God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house, and he told him that the next king of Israel is in Jesse's family. But he didn't tell him which one of Jesse's sons was going to be king. Because sometimes God will give you enough details to get you in the right area, 
but he won't give you enough specifics where you don't need him to show you which way to go. You with me? Sometimes we want God to show us everything about our life, and we get frustrated that God will not continue to show us which way we need to go, and he won't reveal to us all the decisions that we need to make. But if he did that, then we wouldn't need him. And so God gives you enough light to show you the next step, but he doesn't give you too much light where you don't need him to guide you along the path. So Samuel the prophet goes to Jesse's house, and he looks at all the sons of Jesse, Eliab, was the oldest son. One's name was Shammah. One of our tribes that camped this year was named Shammah. Some of, uh, some of, we have tribes. Every, every camper is split into six tribes, and one of those tribes was Shammah. They were the red tribe. It was a different Shammah than this Shammah. But anyways, all the boys of Jesse were really impressive. Eliab was very tall. You know, Saul was very tall, too, the, the king of Israel at that time. Saul was, was very physically impressive. He was tall, and God said, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. And I love this about God. This is what I love so much about God is that he selects what man rejects. He selects what man rejects. You see, I know some of you this morning. I know that some of you feel forgotten. I know that some of you feel overlooked. I know that some of you feel invisible and some of you don't feel important. But God sees you even when nobody else does. God uses the weak and unexpected things of the world to confound the wise. So after he passed over all seven of the select sons, Samuel says to him, he says, are these all the sons you have? I mean, do you have one that you didn't tell me about somewhere? Surprise, you know, like, is there anything, anybody? Are these all the sons that you have? And when Jesse talks about David, he doesn't even have the common courtesy to mention his name. You know what he calls him? They're still the youngest. They're, they're still the youngest. He doesn't identify David by his potential, just his current position. You know, life will do this to you. Life will try to label you, right? People will try to label you according to your educational background. People will try to label you, especially in what we're going through as a country right now by the color of your skin. I'm so proud that I look around and I see so many different, so much diversity. This is the way God wanted it to be. I know this, is, this was his dream when he thought about his church. But we, we get it labeled by our, our background. We get labeled by whether we're a man or a woman. Well, there's the youngest. There's the youngest. Jesse answered, he is tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives, so you better hurry up. And the one, and the one that they didn't even think to bring into the room was the one that God had chosen from the foundations of the world. 
You know, I want to make an announcement this morning that you cannot disappoint what God appoints. You cannot disappoint what God appoints. When God calls your name, when God gets ready to use you, when God gets ready to do a work in your life, when God gets ready to raise you up, when God gets ready to send you forward, when God gets ready to stir up your gift in your heart, when God gets ready to release his purpose in you, you can't stop him. In fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them he's calling your name. Go ahead and tell them. He's calling your name. He's calling your name. That's it. That's all I wanted you to say. He's calling your name. And this is what I love so much about God because he knew. I love God because he knew how to find David even in the field. He didn't need David to be in the lineup. You know what? You don't have to position yourself in front of people to be used by God. You don't have to be put up on this stage. You don't have to be on staff. God can use you no matter who you are. You don't have to look good in front of people for God to use you. You don't have to convince a committee of people that you're good enough for the grace of God. How many of you are grateful that God chooses sovereignly whoever he wills? I said, who's, who's glad that God chooses sovereignly whoever he wants to choose? Because when God gets ready to use you, there's no power in heaven on earth that can stop him from doing so. Everybody shout, don't miss your turn. Don't miss your turn. The only thing that's going to stop him from you, stop you from missing your turn is your perception of who you are. Some of us walk around, I'm so left out, and I'm so forgotten. And maybe, and maybe you've been treated that way in your life, but I'm here to tell you today that God sees you. God knows you. God has not forgotten about you. And God has things that he wants to do in you. Do not let your perception keep you from Goliath. And see, if it had been up to people, then David wouldn't have gotten his turn. But when God says it's your time, he knows exactly where to find you. Don't stress out about it. Don't stay up late thinking about it. Don't worry about whether you're going to fit in. Don't, whether, don't worry about whether you're going to be noticed or, or if people are even going to know your, your name or not. Okay, don't, don't worry. God will use whoever he wants to use. He's God. You cannot disappoint what God has appointed. But if David hadn't been in the field, keeping sheep, leading sheep, then he would have never been prepared to lead God's people. What he should have, could have, would have seen as being very insignificant was exactly the thing that he needed to prepare him for his assignment. It's a funny thing, though, because you would expect that after this moment where David is anointed and called to be a king, that the next scene we would see David in his limo with his driver going to Gucci to get fitted for a nice robe and crown.
I mean, come on, if God told you that you would be the next king or the next queen, wouldn't you want to go try on some robes and crowns? Wouldn't you want to go to Versace? I mean, I need to look good for this thing. I'm going to be king. Maybe it's just me. I mean, seriously, I don't know. Sometimes, and sometimes we expect that when God announces a change in our life, it's going to happen immediately. And so we get confused. God, I said Jesus is Lord, but why am I still struggling with my purity? I mean, I thought you gave me your Holy Spirit when I was baptized. I mean, why am I still struggling with the same things? Why is my marriage still going through ups and downs? God, I thought that you were saving me. I don't feel saved right now, God. I thought I had your power in me, but how come I don't have the strength to overcome this struggle in my life? And so we get confused when God says, you know, when God announces a change in our life, and it's gonna, we think it's going to happen immediately, but we get confused when God says, it's your time, but then he makes you wait your turn. Sometimes God is doing things because it was on that day that David was anointed and appointed to be a king, but it wouldn't be till many years later that he would actually wear the crown. You know, when you're baptized into Jesus, in a moment you're saved, in a moment you're forgiven, in a moment you're cleansed, in a moment you're redeemed, in a moment you receive the Holy Spirit, all those things are true of you immediately. But all the changes that those new realities produce in your life, they don't happen immediately, but they happen gradually. You know what I see people do? I see people come, become very discouraged in the process of awaiting the change that God initiated. Because we're a little bit confused. And sometimes you walk away from your initial investment because you don't see the immediate development. What I'm trying to say is sometimes you give up on your calling too easily and you miss your turn. You with me? David didn't go on to try, try on crowns. He, he didn't go on to practice his kingly wave or practice his kingly autograph. He didn't do that. David went back to the sheep field where he was before. Until one day. Everybody say one day. Everybody say it like you mean it. One day. One day he was given an assignment by his father, Jesse. His father turns to him one day, and I don't know if you know a lot. I know, I, I know you know the part of the story. Like, you may not know this part, but you know about David and Goliath. You know how this little boy came and struck down this giant named Goliath and how he stood over him and he conquered him. And I think that's why so many people connect with the story of Goliath because everybody has something in their life that's bigger than them. Every one of you here this morning, I don't care how who you are, how long you've been a Christian, every one of you has something in your life that's bigger than you. Everybody. Everybody has something in their life that has been intimidating them. Everybody has a fear. Everybody has an anxiety. Everybody has an addiction. Everybody has a Goliath, am I right? But can I tell you something? Thanks, Chloe. Most people never even get to Goliath. 
most people never even get to Goliath. They're like, what does that even mean? Well, let me explain. Because it says that this giant from Gath named Goliath was confronting and defying the armies of the living God for 40 days and 40 nights. And every day he would come out and taunt them and disrespect God. And so this one day, Jesse said to his son David, and this is kind of confusing, because Jesse must have forgotten that he was talking to a future king. Jesse, David's father, must have forgotten that he was talking to the next king of Israel. Because what he asks him to do next seems so small. Look at, look at what he said. Oops, it was right there. My bad. Oops. Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. And David could have said, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Didn't you hear what Samuel said about me? I am a man of great potential and purpose. I don't have time to run your little errands, Jesse. He's like, watch your mouth, boy. You know, you have those moments. I'm trying to take bread. and You're trying to tell me to take bread and cheese to the very brothers who didn't even think to invite me into the room when Samuel came to anoint the next king and they forgot about me and you want me to go bring them food? Who do you think you're talking to, man? You didn't even remember me and you're my own father. Want me to run your little errands? But this is the test, you see, to see if David will do the basic things, to see if David would overcome his pride. And that's his second P. The second obstacle to functional faith is your pride. You see, sometimes we want God to use us to do a big thing, yet we won't even do the basics. I mean, come on, somebody. How in the world can God use us to do something big when we won't even do the basic thing? I love David's heart because the story of David and Goliath could have ended here. It could have stopped before it even got to Goliath. That's what I meant when I said it almost didn't happen. Because David could have said right here, I'm not doing that. I'm the king. You're looking down on me. I'm not doing that. Who do you think I am? You know all the ways that we disobey God? These little things that he asks us to do. Hey, why don't you call your sister or call that family member and tell them you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Or, oh, reach out to somebody who looks different to you and, and just listen to their struggle. Share with them about Jesus Christ. Hey, maybe it would be good if you wake up tomorrow and before you look at all your social media and your emails, maybe you should spend time with me and let me infiltrate your mind with the Word of God. It's funny to me. Some of us want to kill Goliath. Some of us want to experience God's power, but we don't want to tend sheep. And we don't want to make deliveries. We want to see big victories, but how in the world can God use you to kill a giant if we can't even follow simple instructions? And I'm not talking about people. I'm just saying from God. And we would just read and, and do what God asks us to do. 
You know, I was having, I had a Bible study with a few of the teens two weeks ago before camp with Alejandro and John, and I think there's just like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because I think when I think about people and how we perceive God today, it's like everybody's waiting for this feeling. That if I could just feel God, then I'll follow him. But we know that doesn't work that way, if we think about it. Am I right? I mean, how many times have I, I heard people say in a marriage, I just don't feel the same love for my spouse that I used to. But most of the time is because you stop doing all the little things to serve and love them. You will not get the feeling back until you start doing the little things. Truth. And we want to feel God and we want to experience God, but we don't want to wake up a little bit earlier and spend time with him and dig and show him that we're desperate for his presence. Are you with me? The Bible says that David, and I think this is why God used him, because every time we see David in Scripture, he's always moving. He's always moving toward God. And now it says that he first ran toward Goliath, but you've got to understand, before he ran to Goliath, look at what it says in verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock after Jesse told him to go feed his brothers. He says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Now, here's what David didn't know at the time, because we know it. And it's much easier to do what God wants you to do when you know the ending. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Yeah. David did not know that this was 1 Samuel 17. David did not wake up that morning and have his quiet time and go, ooh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do today. For David, this was just another day. This was just another day. From his perspective, this was just another plain, ordinary day. And the same day that he was told to take bread and cheese to his brothers was the same day that he stood over Goliath and conquered him. Sometimes God wraps destiny in just another day. And, and he would have missed his turn if he did not obey. And so for me and you, I'm asking God to do impossible. I'm asking God to use me in big ways. But God wants to know, will you do the small things? Sometimes the blessing of God is in doing the thing that seems beneath you. We always want to look forward. But God says sometimes it's in doing the thing that seems beneath you. That that's what releases the blessing in your life. I mean, think about it. What are some things that you could even do this week that may seem small but might make a huge difference? Think about your marriage for a second. What are some small things that you could do this week that could build up your marriage? Let me wash the dishes for you. Is there anything I need, you need me to do? Hey, would you like a massage? What can I do to help? Well, she doesn't love me. Well, start serving her. I don't feel it. Start doing the little things. Hey, how about having a family devotional with your kids? Instead of expecting everybody else to feed your children spiritually. God gave you the responsibility to lead your children. And one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything else is a generation growing up 
and everybody wants to, the team ministry is awesome, and that's, no, okay, great. But the impact is going to be made in your home. Plain and simple. How about I wake up tomorrow morning and read and pray to God? Do you see what I'm trying to say to you? I'm trying to say that God wants to use you right where you are with what you have. David said, I don't have much. And your immediate response for some of us is to already think, I don't have much. Excuses start to flood into our minds. But David said, all I have is a sling and a stone. But in the name of the Lord, Goliath, I am going to conquer you today. Because God gave me exactly what I need to be victorious in my life. And I believe that when the people of God do what we can with the power that he gives us, when we allow our faith to be functional, Goliath must fall. And he will in our lives. Everybody say, don't miss your turn. turn. We're going to come down for a landing here. But if David had not been willing to do the small thing, he would have never seen the supernatural thing. You see, something interesting happened just before David went to Goliath. The Bible says that when David showed up that day, you know, he's got his cheese and his bread. He's doing the simple thing. And and I don't want you to think that, you know, especially for this group and this group, that because you're young, that God can't use you in a great way. Or if you're not a disciple, that God can't use you in a great way. Or if this is your first day, that God can't use you in a great way. David wasn't even in the army, and he was the one that conquered Goliath. He didn't even have a uniform, and he slayed that giant. He didn't even have a weapon that was fit for combat, and he took down Goliath. So David hears this giant taunting the armies of God, and he says, what's up with this? Because you got to, I didn't say this to the teens, but i got to say this to us, because we tend to think of David and Goliath on a personal level. We all have our Goliath that we got to overcome. Amen. But this was more than just a personal issue. This was a national issue. This was a, this was a nation's issue. The whole nation was hiding in fear because of Goliath. And here comes David saying, this isn't right. We need people in our church to take a stand and go, I see what's going on today in this world, and I'm going to take a stand. This is not right. Looking at all the racism in our world, and we stand up, and we can start right here today in this church and say, this is not right. This is more than just you. There's a whole generation that's depending on it. He says, what's up with this? This isn't right. He can't talk that way about my God. He can't talk, he can't talk that way about my people. This isn't right. And his brother overheard him, Eliab the tall one. He comes up to, the, to David and he actually accuses David, Eliab the taller one. David's older brother, the one that, that they thought would be king, the one that they thought would have overcome Goliath. Look what he says to David. I promise we're closing. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at David and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? 
You know what? If David, and this really spoke to me, if David would have listened to Eliab, he would have never seen Goliath. And the third thing, the third P that's potentially keeping you away from the great things that God wants to do in your life is people. It's people. Everybody say people. If David would have fought with his brother, we could spend all of our time being fighting with each other, thinking about what should be better and what this isn't working right. And we can all be thinking about what everybody else is saying and get caught up and get distracted. And we'll never even get close to our enemy because we're stuck fighting each other. Do you know what I think the devil tries to do to keep us from being victorious as a church? as a people, as a nation, as a body of Christ. He wants to keep us so divided and distracted by what everybody else is doing and everybody else is saying and what's going on in our media and the upcoming election that we never even engage the real enemy. So David has his eyes on something bigger and the Bible says, I love what David says, he's like, now what have I done? I like his defiance here. Can I even speak? What did I do now? And I love this next part. He did something. It says that he, he turned away. What did he do? He, everybody say, don't miss. Everybody say, don't miss. Your turn. What did David do? He turned away to someone else. See, because if you get distracted by Eliab, if you get distracted by people, if you get distracted by all the wrong voices, then you will miss Goliath. You will miss the miracle. But I feel a turn coming in the body of Christ today. Where we aren't going to let perception, we're not going to let pride, we're not going to let people keep us from living out our functional faith in Jesus Christ. You see, I want to plead with you today, don't miss your turn. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, the Son of God, almost missed his turn. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any other way, I'm wrestling with who I am. I'm wrestling with the perception of what you've called me to be and who you want me to be. And I'm looking at all these people who are ungrateful, and I don't want to do it, God. I don't want to die for them. I don't want to do this. But I'll be obedient in the small things. I'll do it, God, because that's what you want me to do. And so these people, there's always these people leading him down. They're, they're, they're cursing him. They're, they're slandering him. And I believe it was Satan's last chance to get Jesus to fail, and he appeals to his pride. He says, if you really are the Son of God, take yourself down off that cross. If you really are powerful like you say you are, come down. Jesus says, no, I got a Goliath to face. That's your sin. It's something that you can never overcome, but I'm going to do it for you. And I'm not letting perception, pride, or people keep me from doing it. To close out, Jesus did the impossible so that your life would be possible. He did the impossible so that your life would be possible. Father, we come to you in prayer. We beg you today.
as we take communion. God, we're desperate for you. We're desperate, but God, we also feel the need. I mean, this, this message of David and Goliath has never been more applicable as a nation, as a church, as individuals. There's so many things in our world today and in our lives that are keeping us down in fear and in anxiety. We are chained down. But God, you never meant your people to live in fear. And you're waiting for somebody to take a stand and say, this isn't right. This isn't right. You can't talk that way about my God. This world is taking you out of everything, God. Out of our schools, out of everything. But we as a people and as a church, as a family, we want to take our stand today. And God, it's, it's so amazing because you don't hold what we did yesterday. You want us to look forward and be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to do the impossible. Help this next generation, God. It, it, it's, it's so like heavy on my heart, God. Raise them up to be the men and women that you want them to be. Raise our families back up to be the families they need to be. Raise our marriages, Father. Raise our influence so that we might share Jesus. It's not about church growth. It's not about getting big. It's about sharing with people the reason why we have hope in this world today. That when everything else seems to fall apart, you hold it all together. God, we love you. We need you. We honor you. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh.
Stand up and turn around. We have a baptism. Jessica Cornblow. Okay. Hey, hi. Everyone. 